All right, and welcome to the Business Shower Podcast, a podcast for business owners to shine. I am your girl, Kelly Edwards, and today we are talking with Raju Rajan, right? I'm I'm sure I got it right because I kept saying it in my head. (laughs) And um, how are you doing today, Raju? I'm doing very well, uh, Kelly. How about yourself? It's a Monday evening. Yeah. you know, uh, not the best day of the week, but uh, hey, yeah. we, we made it through and, yes. you know, still alive, still kicking. So I exactly. <laughs> can't complain. Exactly. You know what? Today was a rough Monday, too. Let me just tell you. But um, so tell, us, tell our listeners who you are and what you do. So, yeah, my name is Raju and I'm, I'm a, a, a technologist by training. I work uh, in technology, including that Three, I guess the company that you used to work for, the payroll processing company. Oh, <laughs> when you when oh, you mentioned no, when oh. you mentioned when you mentioned it, I was like, oh yeah, I think I worked with them. I've supplied, I have consulted with them for the data center. So anyway, all right. Anyway, uh, not to not to bring back old memories, but I was just uh, so so. I talked to a lot of like large corporations about the technology needs at my day job, um, but. You know, here I'm to talk about some of the uh, community work or the work that I do out of passion, right? Uh, and that is called rewilding. Uh, I'm one of the founders and I'm the president of uh, an organization called Rewild Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, we started up two years ago and uh, we focus on sustainable landscaping. And that's what I was hoping to talk to you about. Okay, awesome, awesome. So, um Tell me how you got started in this, right? And um, what made you want to pursue this type of business? Good. So, you know, uh, yeah, and, and you're right. A nonprofit is a type of business in the sense that the purpose is not making money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always say the purpose for, for, for my, my startup or for uh, Rewild Long Island is to make happy butterflies. So we, we count how many happy butterflies we created and you know essentially that's uh that's a metric of our success but just joking aside how i got started is pretty much in my backyard that you see right behind me there with all the flowers that used to be all lawn okay not till till about three years ago and and year after year and i've lived here maybe about uh now what nine years so year after year i went through the whole process as as you know kelly you know you you work with real estate Mm-hmm. You know how much that landscape maintenance goes through, right? Everybody wants that perfect lawn. You know, you can't have weeds in it, you know, whatever, right? So essentially what ends up happening is you bring a crew, like unless you're like one of those people who actually have the time to mow your lawn, mm-hmm. uh, you end up hiring a crew and they come every week. Um, they bring their noisy machines, which are like burning fossil fuels. Um, they bring all fertilizers, which are again, you know, made from fossil fuels, uh, fracked from the ground. Uh, they spread those uh, miracle, uh, miracle and pesticides and um, I'm sorry, herbicides around. Then you water the lawn, you know, multiple times a week. Yeah. Then they come once a week, cut it all down, take it away. And then start the whole process over again. And, and you know, it's a measure of insanity. You know, you're, here it is. <clears throat> I know that we are in a very, uh, uh, very uh, rich and prosperous country, but that's still, there's a lot of people who could, you know, you could be growing potatoes for them or tomatoes for them, and they'd be very happy. And, 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 and funny, right? I mean, you know, it's kind of some, one thing which I never realized till much later, that lawn grass is, you know, by some measures, the number one. Uh, excuse me, the number one crop in the United States. So people 
devote more acreage to lawn grass mm -hmm. than they do to corn or alfalfa or um, wheat or any, you know, like many of the major crops that you might think about, right? Mm -hmm. So here we are, a country full of people who are just cutting grass, throwing down fertilizer, throwing down water, mm -hmm. cutting grass, throwing it away, throwing down fertilizer, throwing, I mean, it's like, it, it's kind of a little bit of an insanity. So anyway, I started doing some research and one of the things I found out was, hey, there's something called a meadow that you can have in your backyard that that might, you know, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I think, you know, more people, I, I from the YouTube videos I saw, there were more people in the UK doing it. And I just tried to figure out how to do it in in Long Island mm -hmm. using native plants that are plants that are native to Long Island. And I figured out some measure of success. I got seeds and I got started. And suddenly, voila, there was like a really beautiful uh, uh, meadow. It was full of uh, uh, butterflies and bees and songbirds. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of like an awakening for me to see a lawn, which was an arid space, which was not, which is of some value to me, right? And not much value to anybody other than me, meaning no bees, no butterflies, no, you know, the occasional robin maybe, but nothing else. And suddenly this was bursting with life. And this life had miraculously, I mean, like, you know, I have butterfly milkweed and I have like always monarch butterflies floating around trying to like, you know, lay their eggs. I have swallowtail butterflies. I have these little yellow finches, which I had never seen in Long Island before. They come and eat the coneflower, right? There are sparrows. I mean, so it's just suddenly you're bursting with life. And then I, you know, I, and then um, one thing led to another, the fact that I had this, and then I met up with some friends around another issue. We all got together and said, hey, what can we do to make the environment better? And we said, look, why don't we start in our backyards and front yards, start doing things more sustainably rather than just do the same thing. I mean, nothing against lawns, right? I mean, there are good reasons to have lawns. People like them great, right? But very often people just adopt them because that's what came with the house. Yeah. That's what, whether they like it or not. And very often, you know, nobody is thrilled about all the pesticides and insect uh, herbicides that go on the lawn or anything like that. But still, they're like, oh, you know what? This is what my neighbors expect. And so what we thought to ourselves is, hey, why don't we use plants that are native, right? Do sustainable landscaping in a way that is good for you, good for your community, and good for that larger world of butterflies and bees and other beings that are around us. So really try to turn this into a sustainable space that is useful to everybody. And we've been working towards it and it's amazing journey. What is really encouraging it about this as a business or a startup is the number of people that we have been able to like reach and uh, the people that have reached out to us and said, oh, you know what? This makes so much sense. Yeah. How do I get started? Exactly. <coughs> and I see you have a lot of sunflowers in your backyard. I love sunflowers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, right here you have some chrysanthemums. There you have uh, what are some um, uh, heliopsis, and then you have some coneflowers. I mean, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of different things. Some of them are native. The ones that are right here in pots are possibly annuals, but the ones behind me are perennials. And the, and the point is when you have that mix of uh, plants that actually evolved in the place that you are, right? You're mm -hmm. in New Jersey, I'm in Long Island. Mm -hmm. So in our local regions, these are plants that used, you know, if before uh, Columbus came here, if you had come here, you would not have found your roses and chrysanthemums and dahlias and mm -hmm. even lawn grass is not native. It's coming, it comes in from, um, uh, 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 you know, Eurasia. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, you would not have seen those. You would have seen more native plants and native flowers, different different ones in different parts of the country, different parts of uh, uh, the United States. But essentially, you would have found these plants. And what's unique to them is the fact that because they evolved here, there's a whole bunch of insects that will only lay their eggs on certain plants or, you know, preferentially take pollen and nectar from them or they'll use them as habitat. Like uh, everybody has, of course, heard about the monarch butterfly that will only lay its eggs on the on, on different species of milkweed. Same thing, right? You know, the monarch butterfly will only lay its eggs on the milkweed because the caterpillar needs to feed on the milkweed leaves, which are poisonous. So it imbibes the poison so it doesn't get eaten. And so if the milkweed, so if people stop um, uh, growing milkweed, Mm -hmm. then you lose the monarch butterfly. So it's kind of like that. So each one of these plants um, uh, uh, provides sustenance, right? And, And many of these insects that we are talking about, they have the caterpillars. And guess what? The birds, a lot of the birds need need those caterpillars to feed their young, mm-hmm. right? By some count, it takes like a, you know a, a few hundred caterpillars a day to start uh, feeding their uh, young. So again, it, the the repercussions of what we are doing in terms of taking out landscapes and putting in lawns mm-hmm. is felt up and down the food chain, right? Yeah. So it goes up the food chain to songbirds, and then even if you look under the ground, there's a lot of value. And and as homeowners, right, you know. Because you plant natives, you use much, much less water mm-hmm. simply because they're native plants. I mean, hey, they were growing in New Jersey long before you came and started watering plants, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they don't, they don't really need you to water them for mm-hmm. most part, right? Maybe very drought, like a big drought condition, maybe yes. So you use much less water. You mm-hmm. definitely don't need any pesticide. You definitely don't need any fertilizer. So it's much easier maintenance. So, you know, I don't, if I had a meadow, right, I, I don't need somebody coming and mowing my lawn once a week. So the maintenance is easier. It is pretty, right? So there's a lot of different advantages of doing this. And we do this with sustainable landscaping. We're like, hey, have some native plants, grow some organic vegetables for Mm -hmm. both your family. And if you have some extra, give it to the local food pantry. Mm -hmm. So you're helping yourself and your community. Don't throw away, like, you know, if you, whether you, it's grass clippings or leaf, uh, Uh, leaf mulch or uh, sticks or whatever. Don't throw those in bags and expect them to be carted away and dumped in Pennsylvania, wherever it goes, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, why don't you compost it and reuse it on your ground? Because that's very good nourishment for your plants. Like if you're growing organic tomatoes, there's nothing better than some compost right next to it and some native plants growing around. So the bees are there and they pollinate your uh, tomatoes and your tomatoes grow full and big, right? So all those like things connect to one another. And then you can use like rain, like the, you know, the water are coming off our roofs. Usually it just goes into the gutter and goes down into the, uh, into the whatever drain. Why don't you put that in a rain barrel and use it? Right. So it's all these, um, all these little things that link up together mm-hmm. that can make us a lot more sustainable. It can make life a lot more pretty mm-hmm. around your house at the same time. Like, you know, again, you don't want to, uh, you know, people think sometimes when I say rewilding, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never did anything on my front lawn and it's all grown up and yeah, it's rewilded. I'm like, no, no, no. Rewild does, rewilding doesn't mean neglect. It doesn't mean like letting weeds yeah. grow on your <laughs> You don't have to explain that. So let's stop and explain what rewilding uh, means. So rewilding is a kind of gardening. Is what I would say is like it's gardening with native plants uh, native and, and native species. Okay. <coughs> 
So what does that mean, right? And, and in different contexts, it means different things. So for example, if you take uh, a, nat- a forest area or a natural preserve or some islands like the Galapagos and things like that, what's happening with them is a lot of, you know, people bring all kinds of plants from different continents or they bring beetles, they bring um, insects, they bring birds from different continents. And sometimes they start taking over the native environment, like people might have heard of kudzu or people might have heard of porcelain berry or, you know, uh, Japanese knotweed, whatever. There are things that grow uh, from another country that grow unchecked in certain places and they start taking over wild areas. So in the context of those forest preserves, rewilding means taking out those invasive species and fostering more native species. In the suburban context that we are in, Mm -hmm. the same thing applies. It's a form of gardening. And basically what you're doing is you're putting in native species of plants um, in your yard, right? Um, and, and, And you're also weeding and maintaining. So none of the invasive species like really grow and take over your lawn. So any gardening involves planting, you know, sort of design, some level of control, uh, some planting and some weeding. This is no different. Rewilding is similar to that in the sense that there is some intention and your intention is, hey, I want my garden not just to be for me, but I want it to be for all the creatures that are native to my regions, ranging from birds and bees and bats and butterflies and, you know, worms and nematodes and soil bacteria and, you know, everything. (laughs) See, everything plays an essential role in that cycle, right? I mean, um, without worms, you would not be able to decompose and uh, contain uh, matter, right? So all that stuff needs to uh, be fostered and if, if if you wanted to foster that entire ecosystem then you know you can bring in a certain level of native plants you have to maintain them plant them and and depending on what what you're trying to achieve you may do a lot of control and a lot of design or very little control and design and let nature take its course but in any case there's always weeding i mean there's no no question about it and you know so that's rewilding rewilding is gardening with native plants in that sense in the suburban sense and what it is not i always say what it is not is not neglect it is not just leaving a patch of land and letting it do whatever it wants and saying oh yeah it's rewilded because most likely what's going to happen yeah. is you're going to get exotic weeds you're going to get everything from i mean you know i like dandelions but you're going to definitely get dandelions you get violets and then more worse you'll start getting porcelain berry and you'll start getting all kinds of weird invasives in there so that's not rewilding in a suburban context it is doing things by design to be uh you know pretty for humans and beautiful for uh birds and bees and butterflies right so that's kind of what the my cousin Tamara would love this conversation because she is now redoing her whole uh, yard so she's been doing a lot of planting and things like that and she does want it to be very natural so hopefully Tamara listens to this episode I'm gonna have to send it to her directly uh, absolutely tell her to check out our website okay. right especially if she's in new jersey then yes. many of the plants well, no, that... she's in north carolina i'm sorry ah uh, okay yeah. so then if she's in north carolina mm-hmm. then she need go to our website and learn some of the general things mm-hmm. but it's always good to research what is native to north carolina mm-hmm. is not native to us gotcha. right so there's a big difference that's why it's very local 
mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know what was your ecology what was what did this what did your land look like and what grew there you know before columbus got here okay essentially so, right so that's going to be Awesome. But so let me ask you a question. Um, what do you enjoy most about being an entrepreneur and what's the hardest? So, you know, and I've been an entrepreneur both in the private sector, meaning with ID start, IT startups and with um, uh, organizations like Rewild, which are nonprofit, right? The first thing, you know, that you need as an entrepreneur, and you know this very well, Kelly, you got to be a little passionate about whatever you're doing, right? You can't simply say, oh, you know what, I'm in it for the money or I'm in it for the glory or I'm in it for the publicity and mm-hmm. just do the grind. That just starts showing like it gets old very quickly. Exactly. You you kind of like got to do what you're like really passionate about. So that's mm-hmm. and when you're passionate about something, you want to tell other people about it. You want them to know, hey, you know what, this is a better way of doing things. And I'm excited about it and I enjoy doing it. And guess what? I did this and I got these results. So you're passionate about telling people, evangelizing. Um, and, and and helping them very often, they say, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Now, how do I go about it? And then you can help them. So that's, you know, the part of it that I enjoy most is the fact that you can meet people and make a positive impact in their lives. Um, and, and, and likewise, they make a positive impact in yours because they know something that you don't. And that give and take and exchange, that positive energy, that cycle of working together, mm-hmm. whether it is a you know, private, you know, a good private sector startup, a nonprofit business, whatever have you, a small business, that's very important, right? So that's, that's what I enjoy most. Okay, awesome. So um, three people who influenced you in your business. I'm sorry, I, I missed that question. Could you say it again? Three people who influenced you in your life. Well, say your life. Um, so in the context of uh, rewilding, especially, I mean, like, you know, many, many, you know, there, there, there have been many different things, right? One, I would go all the way back to my grandfather, who was a very, um, it's very, you know, he's a very calm and uh, centered and spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and definitely he influenced me in the sense of, he used to always have a lot of respect for little things, like whether it was a ant or a beetle you know if if you if he i remember very well that me and my brother were sitting in in our kitchen and killing ants and he was sitting he he i think he'd had a heart attack and he was sitting on the corner so he couldn't move very much and stop us but he was very pained he said please don't please don't do it and he didn't say that in like you know oh my god please don't do it or you will suffer some evil consequence he said it in the sense that it actually pained him Right. So that like was very influential for me. So, you know, it's like it's a kind of sense that, you know, you got to care about not just other people, but, you know, all the little creatures around you. And, and you know, not that's going to that's not going to stop me from swatting this mosquito that's hovering outside here. But <laughs> apart from the mosquitoes. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, we all have our limits. We all have our limits yes. uh, anyway. <laughs> but uh, but but, you yeah, know, so that was very influential uh, on me. And. <clears throat> more recently right we've had a wonderful group of uh folks in town who have all been on the uh same wavelength mm-hmm. as far as uh you know getting us uh, started uh here right i mean so uh, you know like uh, uh, our group initially consisted of david jakim and uh Anne marie and sel and uh, uh 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 pat and uh um 
uh, Hildur, uh, Hildur Paul started. So like a number of local uh, environmentalists, local uh, rewilders, so to speak, like, you know, so it's kind of like an early part of the movement. So a lot of it has been people bringing their passions either for trees or, you know, meadows or birds or butterflies, bringing them together and then saying, hey, what can we learn from one, an one another? What can we do with one another? How can we form this group that has never existed before? And once you form, what do you do? Like, what's your weekly activity and what's your daily activity? And how do you engage people? How do you bring them in? So all that has been, um, you know, a, a teamwork. Yeah. It has been a collective effort. Um, and, and so I just definitely am very thankful for a lot of people who influenced me with, because uh, I'm an immigrant, as, as you can tell. So my knowledge of native plants or my knowledge of even exotic plants in this country has always been limited because I grew up with a completely different set of like tropical plants. You asked me about, you know, jasmine and you asked me about champa, oh. and you, you know, those are the plants I grew up with, right? So not, not, uh, not the flowers out here so uh, so it's been a learning process for me and it's been wonderful learning from other people and with other people awesome okay so we all know that entrepreneurship is a tough road so how do you stay uh, motivated in those hard times people always it comes down to people like if you surround yourself look you know, there. I know there are some people who can just motivate themselves and keep going even in the face of adversity um, and challenge and just keep going. God bless them. I'm not one of them. <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, I have, I can take a certain amount of adversity, but then after that, I'm going to be like, you know, screw that. <laughs> I'm going to go and do my own thing. Right. <laughs> but if you have good people around you and basically when one person low is feels low, if the others can lift them up, that because everybody goes through that cycle, right? Like, you know, you go through certain periods where you're like, oh my God, I'm just way doing way too much. And the great thing about Rival Long Island is we have a good board of people now uh, who are all passionate, who help one another. And um, not just, you know, oh, it's business, but who care for one another personally. We try to bring that, you know, it. I, 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 Kelly, as you know, many of these things are like a marathon, not a sprint, yes. right? So yes. you can't run it as an as a sprint all out. You have, as with a marathon, you know, you're going to have times when you're like, oh my God, I'm so pooped. And you need other runners around you giving you energy. You need exactly. somebody who's like a pace setter. You know, you need that help to get, you need people keep handing you water <laughs> and towels and things like that. So exactly. essentially it's like a total... Uh, you know, you're, you build a community, mm -hmm. right? And, 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 you know, essentially, especially in the nonprofit world, and that's sort of true even in the business world, I've found. Mm -hmm. You have to build a community first and then the business or then the nonprofit. Or then, so because in the process of building that community, that community could be your coworkers. It could be the people who are building the business. It could be your customers. It could be your business partners. But you got to build that community first, because that is going to sustain you, give you feedback on your product, mm -hmm. tell you if you're doing something wrong, strategically help you, maybe invest in you. Mm -hmm. But without that community, you're not going to get all the way to the end line. You're not going to say, screw everybody else. I'm going to do my own thing and then get to the end line and then turn up your product and then say, hey, do you like this thing? <laughs> so Exactly. And you know what? Here on the Business Shower Podcast, that's the thing that we like to teach. Um, so definitely building community. We call it building systems, 
building community is the same thing in my eyes because um, I read a quote and I'm trying to remember the exact words, but it, it was something like, um, if you are the smartest person in the room, you need to find another room. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because like, you know, I, I had a bad day today. I'm just going to share. I had a very bad business day today. Nothing was going my way. And randomly one of, she's a friend now, but, uh, she just texts me something inspiring. And when I was literally in my brain, I was like, I should just quit everything and just be regular. I should be a regular person. And <laughs> in this message, she was she sent me like a poem that don't quit poem. And I was just like, all right, we must be aligned some way because how did you know I was going through something? She was like, I just wanted you to know that. So um, it, it, it was really, really, really good today to just to have that person that was just like, nope. We're going to try it this way. If that way it doesn't work, we're going to go this way. You know, if left doesn't work, then we're going to go right. So you do need those type of people around you in your business, guys. So I just wanted to hone in on that tip a little bit there. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. And, and, and you know, early in your, I, I, I listened to your broadcast series from the beginning and you were talking about some of the businesses you were getting into, including real estate. And so, yeah, I was very curious to see how you were doing. And, you know, maybe I thought, hey, why is Kelly not doing an update on her businesses and telling us a little bit more about the challenges? Because everything, you know, you're, you're so right, because yes. it doesn't have to be roses every day no. it could be torn someday <laughs> oh, it's not. i lost two contracts today so i am like Ugh. oh it's just yeah it's just one of those days but you know i'll get through it so <laughs> here's the question that i ask everyone on the on the show um what is the most important thing you learned in life what was your life like before you learned it and what's your life like after Ooh. That's such a tough question, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think the most important thing, I, I can't say I learned it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the thing, most, most important thing I'm learning. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> the most important thing I'm learning uh -huh. is um, to be more, you know, sort of not, to be more, you know, in the short term, it may be just not getting angry at people. In the longer term, it may be forgiving people. In the still longer term, it may be maybe being magnanimous to people, right? And and not just like just chill a little bit, right? And and maybe some of it is just developing a little bit more of a thicker skin. Some of it may be developing a more softer heart. <laughs> and I think those two need to go together because yeah. it's very hard not to get you know, especially whether you're in business, and, and this is exactly true, so much of business and nonprofit. Anytime you're customer facing or you're public facing, mm -hmm. people are gonna say and do things that you don't like, exactly. right? Likewise, you may have business partners who don't keep their word. Mm -hmm. You may have employees, you may hire somebody, they may not show, they may not, you know, you got to give people some rope. You have to act like at the end of the day, you can't be eternally like it's kind of you got, you got to find that balance exactly. between between at some point saying, OK, this person, I better gently let them go out of my life because mm -hmm. it's not good for us. Yes. Um, on the other, at the other hand, not making it all personal and um, just ranting and raving about it. So I won't say I'm 100 percent there. Maybe I'm 
I don't know. When I get to the end, I'll know maybe I'm only 20% there or 40% there, but I'm just learning that. And, and a lot of that has to do with um, being customer facing. Before I was customer facing, I used to take a lot. I mean, I could afford to take a lot more things personally. I used to be a lot more hot tempered about those things and a lot bit more like self-centered about it. Right. But once you start like working with customers, working with partners, working in the business, you got to, you realize, okay, look, not getting angry and sending that email or that text or that tweet in the moment, mm -hmm. unlike certain people that we know that used to be presidents of this country, like just relaxing, giving it a break, <laughs> giving it a break, just yeah. waiting 24 hours before you respond to a situation. Exactly. Right. And, 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 and don't like, you know, the other rule uh, that works in this context for me that I heard that's a very good, way that that's worked as a good technique for me in business is uh, one of my um, one of my colleagues actually taught it to me in sales basically he said look never send more than two emails so I send you an email mm -hmm. you send me something back mm -hmm. and you're like what what's happening and then I send you a clarification maybe he said that second email that should be your last email or better still pick up the phone and call that person Yes. Or if yes. you can walk over and meet that person, walk over and meet that person. Don't send that second email. Definitely never send that third email because by that time you're not explaining anything. You're you're really digging a hole. Exactly. exactly. <coughs> right. That is the same thing I learned in real estate. Um, it was actually they. Yeah, it's two emails. Two well, two emails, two text messages. After the second time, you want to pick up the phone and call them. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I definitely learned that. And it's so interesting um, that you said even in business, sometimes you'll have disagreements because, you know, one of the issues that I was facing today was a, a kind of not an argument, but a disagreement that me and my partner had. And one of the things I learned was me and him have to kind of work on work within our strengths. So if his strength is giving, bringing the lead in, my <coughs> strength has to be closing the deal. Sure. So, and, you know, we took a personality test just to figure out where, because we took it before, you know, in college or whatever, but I don't remember my results. He doesn't remember his results. So we had to retake the personality uh, test and then we kind of worked off of there. We split up the business so we're not stepping on each other's toes because if we're all trying to do the same thing, we're not going to be productive. So that's a good <laughs> that's it, And that's a really good tip for new business owners. If you are working with a partner, you guys need to figure out what your strengths are and work off of that. So, yeah. And, 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 and you know, hopefully you exercised enough judgment and due diligence in selecting that partner. Yes. And there were good reasons why you selected that partner. Yes. And it's incredibly hard being in a partnership because mm -hmm. you're working closely, you have the same goals, but you have different approaches towards that same goal. Exactly. So it's 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 very hard. It's like two people driving a car, yeah. right? I mean, it, it, essentially, literally one person is pumping on the brake and the other person is like trying to do the steering. Yes. So you got to have and a I bunch have of like- two male partners. So just- Oh, there you go. Two people on the brake. <laughs> well, yeah. I have my husband who I have to live with every day. And yeah. then I have someone else. So it's it's crazy. But, you know, that's just some of the things that I'm going through. So, but, no, like, but that's not different from what everybody else is going through, too. I mean, it may not be married, but essentially you need that same level of communication 
And uh, what I would say is forgiveness in the moment, like not letting things blow up. Okay, yeah, systemically something can be wrong. It can be the completely wrong partner. Even then you need to find the grace to do it in a way that makes that person feel good and they come to the same conclusion. And even if you end up dissolving a business and saying, okay, let's go our own ways, mm-hmm. it, it's a tragedy, but it doesn't have to be an, you know, acrimonious. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I hate you forever, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so as we wrap up, yeah. um, I have a question that I ask every guest um, on the show. And here's the signature question is, what is something unique no one knows about you, your business or your product that you would like to tell us here on the Business Shower Podcast? Ah, what is it that nobody knows about my business? Um. You know, I what I think that that everybody needs to know that about just growing native plants, bringing things is it'll change you. Like so, the dirty little secret of it is you won't start doing it and just stop with like one small garden. Mm-hmm. The dangerous thing is it's addictive, simply because you know, especially if you're somebody who likes, um, you know, just just you just get a sense of like I. I, the other day I saw dragonflies. I've never seen dragonflies in this country. Right? I mean, suddenly like a dragonfly swooped out of nowhere and a bunch of them are like swarming around. A bunch of goldfinches showed up from nowhere. So it's kind of like every day you see something new when you have a garden and especially a garden full of native plants. It attracts a lot of things in there. So what I would say that's kind of like the secret of the business is it's very addictive. So, you know, maybe you want to start... Uh, <laughs> in a right. good way in a good yes. way <laughs> yes, all right so before we wrap up do you have any questions for me no uh well i do have one for you uh, uh all those houses that you uh work with um would you consider putting native plants i mean rather than leaving them with lawns for people to buy uh, uh why don't you consider putting some uh, native plants in a garden when you flip uh, things, it could be like a new new thing. Yeah, right? I never even thought about that. Like I typically, I want to be honest with you, I typically go with the cheapest way possible. So if the cheap- it is cheap. Yeah. It, it's not okay. at all expensive. These are native plants. They'll grow pretty easily. You know, I'll find uh, find a way. I mean, I'll all of them point you to uh, some of the places where you can get them for relatively cheap. Like nurseries, uh-huh. you can go and get them. Um, and and but it's a different thing. The point is. Instead of having a lawn in front of the house, mm-hmm. you could have a little pollinator garden mm-hmm. or you could have a butterfly garden. It's kind of like a look. It, you, it'll distinguish your product. Yes. It'll give you something else like a, a family, a young family where the kid comes in and they see, hey, this is the house. Mommy, this is the house with a butterfly garden. Yeah. Or, hey, mommy, yeah. that's the house. we saw. It, it's not. I mean, in the context of flipping a house. You know, twenty dollars is not gonna. You know, or fifty dollars no. is not gonna be no. a big. That, it's, 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 exactly, exactly. So we're not talking. We're not talking big sums of money here. We're just talking little touches that could definitely differentiate your business. And I, I think I would appreciate that because, uh, you know, the more the more people in the community and real estate uh, uh, developers are absolutely a big part of sustainability. Like, you know, it begins with them. And if you start putting in those touches, um, it, it definitely could change the business. So, yeah. and hopefully it can change your business too. Yes. We got to talk about this. I'm going to uh, <laughs> definitely need some information about it so I could uh, let my Absolutely. My Absolutely. Now. <laughs> no worries. All right. So um, let our listeners know where they can connect with you online. Um, so 
Shout out all your uh, handles, Instagram, Facebook, website. All right. Very yeah. simple. Just go to rewildlongisland.org. From there, you'll find all the other handles. So just go to rewildlongisland, all one word, .org. Bottom of the page, there's a form you can submit. There's all the information you need to get started. You can read our blogs, which are filled with people, other people who have tried various things in their yard. Um, and, and any of your listeners in the New York, New Jersey area are pretty much in the same eco-region. So you'll have pretty much similar plants and plus similar needs. So no worries. Go there. And uh, you, we have the resources there. And you can connect with me there. And, um, I'd love to talk to any, anybody that uh, wants to get started on this journey. Awesome. So guys, you heard it there. And that is a wrap for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Peace.